Hello, and welcome to the Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Mika, and I'm sick. And this is a podcast where I'm trying to teach Mika music history, and she's trying to care about it. Follow us on social media. We haven't posted as many episodes recently, but I'm still posting YouTube videos, so follow us on YouTube. Can we post the picture of Echo? Yeah, I'll post that on Twitter. Echo's really cute. She wants to take my place. That's our cat, by the way. Yeah, so little tiny kitty cat in a big chair with a big mic. <laughs> so if you want to see that, go to twitter.com slash sound of history underscore or x.com. I don't know what it is right now. It's Twitter. <laughs> Wait, did they change the URL? I think x.com redirects to twitter.com. So, so far Good they God. haven't changed it, but they're going to most likely because it's no longer retweets. It's now reposts whenever you do that. Anyway, follow us in there to see the picture of our kitty and then you can go to youtube.com slash at sound of history underscore to see our youtube videos i'm getting about one every 10 days so a lot more content on there and they're really cool you haven't watched any of them but i like them you've told me about them and they're really cool (laughs) okay well with all that out of the way mika is the host now okay mika is the host now okay you guys Oh, you get get to hear about how cute Nick is. Here we go. He bought a suit for my friend's dress-up birthday party, which I think is above and beyond, and he looked really hot. Um, Second thing, he bought me mugs from Tiffany's because I thought they were cute, and then he bought them, and they're special edition only from, like, the flagship store in New York City, and they're really pretty, and I love them, and I'm so terrified I'm going to break them. I'm drinking coffee because tonight we're gonna go we're gonna go watch the League's Cup finals and our team is playing Messi and then the rest of Miami who suck ass and don't matter. Okay. I'm really excited. Cool. Do you have people keep asking you if you're going to watch Messi and you have to be like, No, I'm going to watch my team? No. Not many people have asked me about I've gotten that question so many times. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to go watch my boys. Massey will be there. <laughs> <I'd> like, <laughs> it's yeah. just funny. Anything else? The other things the other things that have happened in my life are sad. Okay. Well, it's your segment. You get to talk about whatever you want to talk I'm about. I'm not going to talk about the sad shit. It makes people sad. Okay. I got to see Leah Michelle and Funny Girl. That was surreal. With my mom and my sister, we had a little girls trip and it was so cute. We took my mom to high tea and it was awesome. Damn, the trip seems like so long ago. I know, it was like a week and a half ago, two weeks. Eh. And we've been going to two soccer games two a week weeks, ever yeah. since we got back. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> anything else? Mika no longer the host now? I don't know. Is there anything else that's happening in our life? I don't know. Really? Don't get what are they? Don't get chickpea gnocchi. They taste hella weird. Don't get them. They ruined my meal. Don't do it. That's just my warning. There you go. That's good. It's a good warning. They cut down my trees. Do you <laughs> guys want to know about how they cut down my trees? We have trees outside 
in our little courtyard and yesterday I sit and I look at them every morning and it's green and it's beautiful and I sit there with my coffee and a candle and I look at the outside and it makes me happy and they freaking broke it they broke everything did they I watched them cut my tree in half and they cut down a bunch of other trees and it sucks so bright out there now it's very bright I'm Our mad. Cat, loves. cat mm-hmm. loves all the sun yeah, well, the cat also loved when there were squirrels right outside our window. All right. Anything else? It's a long segment this time. Normally, you have nothing. I haven't done this in a month and a half. We never do it. it. We always have like a month between episodes, and you're always saying you don't have anything. So this is new. It's been a very busy summer. <laughs> it has. Anything else? Are we ready to talk about pop music? Pop. Mika no longer the host now? No longer the host now. Okay. Now now I can stop talking and save my voice. Yeah, you're going to need it tonight, probably. Yeah, I, I fully expect to not be able to speak tomorrow. Well, do you have any idea what we've been talking about? No. Any remembrance? Honestly, no. We talked about 80s pop music in the last episode. We but Is this Madonna? This is Madonna. Yes! <laughs> we talked about like Culture Club and the New Romantics. And Tiffany, and all of that fun '80s pop music, and boy bands. We talked about boy bands. You learned about like Marky Mark. Oh, that's right. I didn't know that that was real. So today, we're going to talk about probably the biggest female pop star of the '80s, definitely of the '80s, maybe of just all time. I don't know of a female pop star who's been bigger than Madonna. I guess it depends on what you. Like what the benchmark is. And hit songs, sales, proliferation through the culture. That's true. Well, we can't know. We can't know the proliferation. I mean, I think Taylor's, I think Taylor probably beat her. Maybe. She has like like the most crazy cult following. I think Madonna probably has more sales, but that might just be an issue of the era. Because, like, people don't buy albums anymore. Yeah. But they did buy Madonna's. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when we get to the end of it what you think. But she was definitely the biggest female pop star of the 80s. Only only missed out on being the biggest pop star because Michael Jackson was also in the 80s. But do you know anything about Madonna? Like, who she was, what her kind of music was, anything about her? Um, No, I know, like, a virgin. And I probably know other things. And I know that one time in Glee, they did the Madonna, they did the Madonna episode and, and, and Sue did like a virgin, I think. Am I right? I, I have no idea. Or did she do, she did know Vogue. Who Sue is. She did, she did Vogue and someone did the pointy boobs. <laughs> okay. So that's all you know is Glee. No. All right. Well. Madonna Louise Sichone, I want you to know, I looked up this last name on YouTube. I looked up different pronunciations. Every single video pronounced it differently. So I have no idea how to say this last name. You heard it here, folks. This is the correct way. All the other ways are not good. It is C-I-C-C-O-N-E. So it's very Italian. Cicione probably is probably (laughs) the closest, but I don't know. We'll just call her Madonna. I do think that's a cool name. Not the middle name as much. The middle name kind of is just like 
funny because when I think like Madonna, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, power. And then like <laughs> Luis, I'm like, it's power, but it's like Bob's Burgers, Luis power, <laughs> you know? I honestly had no idea Madonna was her real name until I did this. I thought it was a stage name until I started writing this episode. And I was like, that's oh. a good point. I also did not know that. What a beautiful name too. Like I never assumed Lady Gaga's real name was Gaga. So I thought it was something like that. Anyway, she was born in 1958 in Bay City, Michigan. Her parents were devout Catholics, and her father was the son of Italian immigrants, and her mother was from French Canada. Her father worked as an engineer for some pretty large companies, doing like mostly military work. Her parents' religious faith played a large role in her upbringing, and she called her mother a religious zealot and said there was always priests and nuns visiting their house. Yikes. Why is that yikes? That could be a good thing. I don't know. It just seems very, like, overbearing. If they were cool, priests and nuns. I mean, there was always church people visiting your house growing up. Yeah, but they weren't priests or nuns. They were just pastors. (laughs) That's the same thing. (laughs) The Catholic imagery that shows up in her style and her performances later probably comes a lot from that. Because if you know anything about, like, Catholicism and Catholic families, they have a lot of icons icons around iconography however you say that word iconography you're asking me how to pronounce a word no i'm just saying i recognize i'm probably saying it wrong but that word iconography there you go (laughs) (laughs) so they have a lot of that around so that probably played a role in her later style in imagery her mother was also named madonna so she often went by little donnie and took the name so cute she took the name Veronica as a confirmation name when she was confirmed in the Catholic Church. I forget that you do that. Yeah. In 1963, at the age of 30, Madonna's mother passed away from breast cancer. Oh. Seeing her mother frail and weak had a massive impact on her. She claims it's one of the reasons why she wanted to have a powerful voice. In school, she was a bit of an overachiever. She was a straight-A student, a cheerleader, and graduated a semester early. But she was Madonna. She was also known for having some unconventional behavior, as you would expect from Madonna. As you would expect from a pastor's kid. Like, <laughs> she wasn't a pastor's kid. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> she was an engineer kid. She'd pull up her skirt to let the boy see her underwear, and she would hang from her knees from the monkey bars, letting her dresses and skirts like fall all, all asunder. Asunder. <laughs> she said about her school days, quote, I was a lonely girl who was searching for something. I wasn't rebellious in a certain way. I cared about being good at something. I didn't shave my underarms and I didn't wear makeup like normal girls do. But I studied and I got good grades. I wanted to be somebody. End quote. I love her. She was also an accomplished dancer. Her dance teacher convinced her to pursue a career in dance and she got a dance scholarship to Michigan University. In 1977, while still an undergrad, she was offered a six-week scholarship to study with a dance theater in New York City. So she left school and moved to New York. She made rent by doing odd jobs like dance performances, nude art modeling, and working at a Russian tea room. Oh my god, fun! (laughs) She said that moving to New York terrified her. She said, quote, I came here with $35 in my pocket. It was the bravest thing I'd ever done, end quote. I think that's why New Yorkers are so like tough because I think that that's like a good 60% of people who go to New York are like, that's their story. 
and you just have to be to survive, as evidenced by this next story. Oh, no. One night, while returning home, she was held at knife point and oh, sexually God. assaulted. Oh, God. Which, of course, left a huge impact on her. She Poor said babe. it gave her a taste of her own weakness, no matter how strong she tried to be. That's awful. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's rough. In 1979, she started dating a musician called Dan Gilroy. Dan was the singer of a ska-inspired band called The Breakfast Club. He also lived with his brother in a synagogue in Queens. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize you could live in synagogues, it but okay. It might have been one that wasn't actively being used as a synagogue, like an old synagogue. I don't know. I, I, didn't, I couldn't find much out about Dan. Is he Jewish? I think so. Huh. Okay. Uh, Dan and his brother waited tables during the day and then performed comedy or music at night. Dan introduced her to a French disco singer named Patrick Hernandez. She auditioned and got a job as his backup singer and dancer, so she moved to Paris for a while to work with him. That's so fun. Yeah. She's just all, all over the place doing all kinds of artsy stuff. But her time in Paris only lasted for three months before she moved back to New York and moved into the synagogue with Dan and his brother. There, she started playing the drums and learning how to write songs. Hell yeah! <laughs> Hot girl drummer Madonna! She started playing drums and singing in their band, The Breakfast Club. Here's the Breakfast Club's first and only hit song. I don't think Madonna was in the band at this point. I think Damn this was it. after she had left. I don't even know if Dan was in the band at this point, honestly. This is a really long intro. It's Scott. That's what happened. So much has happened and no one has <laughs> said anything. So I'm pretty sure this guy's important later, the drummer. So remember him. This is giving um do you you probably don't know it, but do you know the like I think it was like a Nick Jr. show. I can't remember if it was Nick or Dizzy. But like they each have a color and they're like clowns. The and they is. have a band. Huh? The Wiggles? It's not the Wiggles. I don't, I don't remember that. That's what their set looks like. Oh, they're chickens. Oh, they're chickens again. I'm not going to lie, this is my favorite ska song that you have introduced me to. All right, well, that was The Breakfast Club. What is that? I have to show you. Hold on. Pause. Pause for Nick to know what's going on in my brain. Who are you? Doodle Bops! Do you know the Doodle Bops? Not by name, but maybe by picture. Hold on. I want to show you their, where they hang out. It looks like that set. <laughs> okay, yeah. I know this, this. Is, this is the vibe of that music video. Yeah. You can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> There's a chicken! <laughs> There's even a chicken! Okay. Anyway, that's cool. what that looks like to me. I get it. I get So if you don't know this music video, just think doodle bops and chickens. But they're pretty ladies in chicken costumes with beaks. Okay. What? So 
Did you hear any of the music? What did you think about The Breakfast Club? Um, it wasn't the worst ska that I've ever heard. Okay. It was probably the best ska that I've ever heard. I don't think they were taking themselves seriously. I think they were just kind of messing around. No, you don't <laughs> say. In 1980, Madonna's boyfriend from Michigan, whose name was Stephen oh, Bray. Tell him what the song is called. Oh, I don't remember what the song was called. Right on track. Yeah. Okay. In case you want to see the music video. Yes, it's right on track. It's right on track. If you just YouTube the Breakfast Club band, it's probably like the first video that comes up. Yeah, not just the Breakfast Club. That'll take you to something right. else. It's not Scott <laughs> and doesn't have chickens. Have you seen the movie? You don't know. No, I haven't. <laughs> it doesn't have chickens. That I remember. Anyway, in 1980, Madonna's boyfriend from Michigan, Stephen Bray, moved to New York. Madonna left the Breakfast Club, rekindled her romance with Stephen, and started a band called Emmy and the Emmys. That's not a good name. Well, it's taken from like Madonna, I think. The M, it's still I don't know. not a good name. That's fair. Steven moved to New York specifically because Madonna called him and said she wanted to start a band with him. I would do that too for Madonna. Emmy and the Emmys played gigs at local New York City bars for like $25 for about a year, and they ended up only releasing one demo that was this song. That's Stephen Bray. That's her boyfriend. Oh. All right. Well, that's Emmy and the Emmys. Wow. I like want to do that makeup look. That's beautiful. Soon after that demo, Madonna decided she wanted to be a solo artist. She wanted to go more in a dance music direction, and Emmy and the Emmys were definitely, like, rock-based. Madonna landed a manager and then started trying to push her demo to all of the dance clubs and DJs in New York is interesting to just kind of like bypass the labels and goes just straight to the people who are actually yeah why not yeah it's a good idea one of those djs or whatever dance club operator i don't know what he was mark caymans was really impressed by it and they also started dating caymans brought her demo to his boss who is the founder of island records but that boss said quote i'm not going to sign my a and r guy's girlfriend end quote well, he wishes he did. So Caymans introduced Madonna to Sire Records instead. They signed her to a singles deal and released her debut single called Everybody in 1982. Everybody, everybody wants to love. That's that one, right? Everybody, everybody we'll wants to, to be it. loved. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So Caymans was the producer of this single, and he also ended up working with the Beastie Boys for a bit and is kind of seen as like a legendary DJ in the New York club scene. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2013 at the age of 57 while he was teaching in Mexico. 
But here is Madonna's debut single called Everybody. Oh yeah, this is good. say something controversial it's not very good <laughs> this song yeah that's yeah, fine definitely not one of the best all right well that's her first song her first single both that single and her second single were pretty successful in the dance scene and sire records booked her to start making her first album that album which was just called madonna was released in 1983 and it was kind of a slow burn but eventually it became pretty successful and young girls across the country started to imitate Madonna's signature style, which included a lot of lace, fingerless gloves, and religious symbolism. It's pretty badass. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Up to this point, Madonna was still collaborating pretty heavily with Stephen Bray, her old boyfriend from college, but she chose not to work with him on this debut album. Someone said that was because the label head didn't want to have a relationship in the band since that notoriously didn't go well. But after this album, Madonna would go back to working with Stephen Bray for most of the 80s. Her debut album eventually peaked at number 8 in the charts and had two top 10 singles. It took her a while and many club performances to get there, but her first international hit was a song called Holiday. Here is Holiday. Holiday! holiday guessing you're not a big fan of that one no well that song earned her a live tv performance on american bandstand where she told host dick clark that her main ambition was to rule the world go girl go (laughs) she took a brief break to star in a romantic drama called vision quest and then she performed on more tv shows and had her music videos played on mtv Basically, she was just establishing herself as a brand and putting her style out there. Very smart. It's Mm -hmm. obviously worked. Which led to many women trying to copy her. All of that paved the way for her second album, which released in 1984, to become a massive success. It reached number one and hit platinum status. 
That second album, Like a Virgin, she collaborated with Stephen Bray pretty heavily. It was the first album by a female artist to sell over 5 million copies. Hell yeah. Madonna wanted to produce it herself, but the label didn't really feel comfortable with that, so she worked with Niall Rogers, who had worked with David Bowie in the past and was the co-founder of the disco band Chic. You know Chic, right? I know Chic from Zelda. It's that song, La Freak. Oh. Yeah, that's Chic. Okay. She said, quote, When I was making the record, I was just so thrilled and happy to be working with Niall Rogers. I idolized Niall because of the whole Chic thing. I couldn't believe that the record company gave me the money so that I could work with him. End quote. A lot of the songs were co-written by Stephen Bray, who said, quote, I've always kind of made the rib cage and the skeleton of the songs already. She's there for the last things, like the eyebrows and the haircut, end quote. So he does like the structure, and then she frills it out, is what it sounds like. Q Magazine said the album, quote, propelled Madonna into the stratosphere, and rightly so. The songs are smart, funny, sexy, and irresistible, end quote. We already listened to her performance of Like a Virgin at the VMAs in the MTV episode. We did? Yeah. Oh, oh that, yeah, I remember. And that song has never been one of my favorites, so I'm going to play you a song I like a lot more called Material Girl. It incorporated a lot of the new wave and synth pop elements that we talked about in the past couple like 80s pop episodes. I like Material Girl. This is so funny. He just gave me a necklace. I don't know, I think it's real diamonds. Yeah, he thinks he can impress me by giving me expensive gifts. It's nice, though. You want it? This is so fun. I've never seen a music video for this. carried like that one day <laughs> can we hire a lot of men in suits and you do like carry me around not like around just like once in a pretty dress where people can see bow on her butt. That's just wild. <laughs> Look at all of them. Cute. Right. It's Material Girl. Now that's a song. <laughs> 
So it was on that set that Madonna met and started dating actor Sean Penn. Wait, really? Yeah. They got married a few months after meeting in 1985 on Madonna's 27th birthday. The relationship was not always great. Sean famously got arrested for assaulting a photographer on their honeymoon. But I didn't know that. But they starred in a movie together in 1986, which earned Madonna an award for Worst Actress. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's like a... It's, I forgot what it's called, but it's like a joke on the Oscars. And they do like the worst movies, the worst actors, worst actresses, and that kind of stuff. What? I did not know that. Like the Razzies, maybe? I don't know. It's something like fruit-based, I think. Anyway. That's hilarious. Sean Penn was known to get angry and aggressive. He also had big problems with jealousy and would fly into a rage and accuse Madonna of cheating on him, which she vehemently denied. There were always allegations of physical abuse, but Madonna has always denied those too. It is worth noting that she filed an assault report against him after a New Year's Eve party, but she later withdrew the charges. Sean ended up spending... Ma'am, why did you withdraw... Why withdraw them? Don't do that. I mean, if it didn't actually happen, then... Uh, My bet's that it happened. I feel like generally, like, 19 times out of 20, 99 times out of 100, it probably happened. But she said it didn't. She has always denied that there was any physical abuse. I feel like it's unfair to just say he was probably abusing her, even though she says it didn't happen and he says it didn't happen. So I choose to believe them instead. Okay. Um, but Sean did end up spending 60 days in jail for parole violations, and that seemed to be the nail in the coffin of their relationship. They divorced in 1989, but both have said that they are still in love with each other. Sean said that as recent as 2015. Wow. Her third album, True Blue, was inspired by and dedicated to Sean Penn. It hit number one in 28 different countries, had five different singles reach number one in the U.S. or the U.K., and sold 25 million copies, making it the best-selling album by a female artist up to that point. And it's still tied for 10th. For 10th? With who? I don't know. But, I mean, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, probably Lady Gaga, any number, Ariana Grande whoever top selling female artist albums getting anywhere Whitney well yeah the bodyguard is like the fourth best-selling album of all time so that would make sense and then I mean this is women fronted bands so they have Fleetwood Shania Fleetwood's I wouldn't call Fleetwood that Shania makes sense probably some more of those like country artists Alanis Morissette that makes sense too. Celine Dion, sure. Adele, duh, Adele. Uh, yeah, Adele, another Celine Dion, Abba, Madonna, Mariah. Okay, because I do have in here, twenty-five million copies sold is a bonkers number. Because I know we listen to music differently now, so it isn't really a fair comparison. But Taylor Swift's Midnight's album that was probably the most massive album of the past however many years. It only sold 2 million copies. You think Midnight's is the most? Oh, yeah. And Midnight's was the first album to sell 2 million copies this decade. Whoa. And Madonna sold 25 million. Like, that's just absurd. Here's one of those singles from True Blue called La Isla Bonita. 
That means the pretty island. <laughs> yes. I think it's the beautiful island, right? Listen, I don't speak Spanish. Her next album came out in 1989, which coincided with her divorce from Sean Penn. She got a sponsorship deal with Pepsi and debuted the title track of the album called Like a Prayer in the commercial. It didn't go well. Pepsi really, like, Pepsi will make some, make some great, like, iconic mm-hmm. music commercials. They had a whole thing in the 90s where they were trying to be the young brand. Like, that was how they thought they could take a market share from Coke. So they got people like Michael Jackson and Madonna and, like, MTV and try to, like, sponsor the youth stuff so they could be, like, the soda for the youth. That's so funny. Yeah. Now my parents drink it. And I never do. (laughs) But they were young. It seemed to have (laughs) worked. (laughs) Not back then. They were in their 40s and 90s. I don't know how time works. Um, Anyway, the commercial didn't go well. The video features her confessing to a priest and then making love to him, or at least implies it. So the Vatican condemned the video, and religious groups tried to get it banned, which led to Pepsi pulling the commercial and ending the sponsorship. Still, the song became her seventh number one single. Show me the video. She wrote this album with Stephen Bray, Patrick Leonard, who was another longtime collaborator, and Prince. Nice. In her review, Rolling... In their review, Rolling Stone called it, quote, as close to art as pop music gets. Hell yeah. Proof not only that Madonna should be taken seriously as an artist, but that hers is one of the most compelling voices of the 80s, end quote. I love how it's like she's been immensely popular for years, top of the charts. And they're like, this is proof that we should take her seriously. Like, <laughs> no shit. Like <laughs> This was only her third album, though. Her first one didn't do that great second one was massive success and then this one so i guess yeah took a little bit to prove it anyway it helped like her the win- second album should prove it anyway it helped her win artist of the decade good so that's actually kind of crazy I it really is <laughs> over yeah. like michael jackson yeah. and prince <laughs> that is really whatever. wild here is like a prayer yes
I don't think we're going to watch all of this. Oh, but it's art. Because it's five and a half minutes long. This is such a good song. Also, super suggestive lyrics for <laughs> a very religious oriented song. Well, what's the point? absolutely takes you out of that this is actually like i've never i've never watched this one either by 1991 madonna was a money-making machine she had achieved 21 top 10 singles, which is bananas, sold 70 million albums, and generated $1.2 billion in sales. Not to mention her acting career. She starred in the film with Dick Tracy, which hit number one in the box office in 1990, and A League of Their Own, which hit number one in 1992. I actually don't think I knew that. That they hit number one or that she was in those? That she was in those. Yeah, I didn't remember it about a league of their own. I've never seen Dick Tracy, so. Uh, she signed a $60 million contract with Time Warner. The deal created her own production company, which was called Maverick, which would release more albums, merchandising, videos, films, and books. Time Warner gave her the highest royalty rate at that time, which equaled the one that Sony gave to Michael Jackson. Nice. Maverick, that kind of production company that Time Warner created and gave to her, would go on to become one of the most successful artist-run labels in history. I find it actually really cool that, like, she was making the same royalties as Michael mm -hmm. Jackson. Like, she should. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's kind of surprising that, like, she did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's cool. Uh, so that Maverick label produced albums by Alanis Morissette and Michelle Branch, to name a few. In 1992, Madonna released her next album called Erotica and simultaneously released a coffee table book called Sex. The book features black and white photos of Madonna mostly naked and posed with other people, chairs, dogs, and slices of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> on, <laughs> on the first day, it sold 150,000 copies. She's so real for that. <laughs> So, 150,000 copies on the first day. Three days later, all 1.5 million printings of the first edition were sold out, making it the most successful coffee table book of all time. The album was also a success and reached double platinum status. For these next few years, Madonna kind of pushed the boundaries more than a lot of people were comfortable with. On her tour, she dressed up as a dominatrix and had topless dancers around her. In Puerto Rico, she rubbed their flag between her legs, which the crowd was not all that happy with. I could see that being an issue. She appeared on David Letterman and gave him a pair of her panties and told him to smell them. All of these antics led critics and fans to start turning on her a little bit. A lot of them thought she had gone too far. She also had started dating Tupac and Dennis Rodman around this time. What? Who were two notoriously bad boy type guys. She dated Tupac. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either. I knew Dennis Rodman because that was like a big thing. But her next album in 1994 was called Bedtime Stories and showcased a softer side of her as an artist. 
She wrote most of it, and it was kind of an attempt to salvage some of her public image. It debuted at number three and had two top ten singles, like this one called Secret. Things haven't been the same since you came into my life. You found a way to touch my soul, and I'm never, ever, ever gonna let it go. That's secret. That's fun. In 1996, she won a Golden Globe for her performance in Evita. She also settled down a little bit into a relationship with a man named Carlos Leon, who was a personal trainer, and she had a daughter in 1996, which she called the greatest miracle of her life. She also moved out of her pink Hollywood mansion into a more modest home in the L.A. suburbs. That year was kind of a huge turning point in her career. She had a really successful part in a big movie again, and she had a softer-sounding album. She was in a steady relationship that would eventually end the next year, and she had a daughter. She showed she was a capable artist again and turned around her public image. Good year for Madonna. Good for her. After her daughter's birth, Madonna became interested in Eastern mysticism, and her next album, Ray of Light, reflected that. It leaned into electronic music and had themes that were highly personal to her. It did earn her four Grammys, and it also won her yet another award for the artist with the most number two singles. I didn't realize that was a award. <laughs> did they make that up for her? Record is probably a better word than award. I don't think she got a trophy for okay. it. But <laughs> here is the title track of Ray of Light. I mean, she can't be the number one artist. That's the Beatles. They're going to have that for a long time. So being number two is pretty good. Early 90s. 
Wait, so how old is she here? She's like her late 30s. She founded the Ray of Light Foundation, which seeks to promote peace, equal opportunity, and education for everyone. She appointed her sister as the charity's trustee. In the early 2000s, she continued to star in movies and release music. She starred in a show on the West End in 2002 and wrote a children's what? book. <laughs> yeah. And she wrote a children's book, which became the fastest selling children's book of all time. I also did not know that. She donated all of the proceeds to children's charities. In 2000, she had a song with her boyfriend. That's not what that's supposed to say. In 2000, she had a son with her boyfriend, director Guy Ritchie, and then she married Ritchie later that year. In 2003, she had even more controversy at the VMAs when she kissed Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera on stage. Iconic. Yeah. People saw that as kind of passing the torch onto them, too. Basically, she's just kind of living the life of an icon. She still releases music, still writes books, still does a ton of business things behind the scenes, but she keeps a little bit of a lower profile now than she used to. So cool. Her legacy really kind of transcends music. She actually has an entire school of sociology that studies her impact on American culture. Bro, what? It's called Madonna Studies, and you can take college classes on it. That's wild. She was arguably the first viral pop star, which she managed long before the internet was a thing. A writer for the Daily Telegraph said, quote, Madonna has changed the world's social history, has done more things as more different people than anyone else is ever likely to, end quote. Many people think she formulated the blueprint of what a pop star is, can be, and should be. Another writer pointed out that, quote, it's worth noting that before Madonna, most music megastars were guy rockers. Mm -hmm. After her, almost all would be female singers. When the Beatles hit America, they changed the paradigm of performer from solo act to band. Madonna changed it back with an emphasis on the female, end quote. Huh. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I think it sort of shifted a little bit back recently, but it's maybe more 50-50 than it ever used to be. Yeah. Because now we have people like Post Malone and Drake and like yeah. Kanye and all the, like the rap, I think hip hop kind of helped switch it back to more male focused, but in terms of like pop, it's still very female. Uh, she broke down barriers for women in the entertainment industry and revolutionized the public discourse on sex and feminism. She broke down barriers for marginalized communities by repeatedly featuring LGBTQ, Latino, and black cultures in her works. Most of her relationships were interracial, when that wasn't nearly as commonly accepted as it is now. And she also became an icon for businesswomen through all of her different interests in her smart managing of all of those different interests. Hell yeah, Miss Ma'am. Her level of control over her career was unprecedented for a woman in the industry at that time, and it paid the way for other women to have similar levels of control over their own careers. And that's Madonna. Amazing. Yeah. Any any last thoughts on Madonna? Trailblazer. 
next episode. I used to say next week, but in December, next episode. Shut up. <laughs> we'll be talking about Prince, who was yes. equally as iconic, but probably in a different way. For the record, I tried to record twice last week. Did you? Yes, I set aside time twice. <laughs> you said at that time you weren't in the mood to record. <laughs> Neither were you. <laughs> All right, anything else you want to add about Madonna? 